0: Thanks for tuning in to Jin and Tantra. This is the last of our series discussing spirituality in comics, and this one is particularly deep. We discuss the Marvel story titled, Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe. Regardless of how you may feel about comics, this story is one that absolutely transcends the genre and makes bold points about life and death. The story highlights breaking the cycle of samsara, suffering, and the attachments that we all have. In addition to this story, we discuss expressing oneself and not letting in doubt. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Jin and Tantra, spirituality with a twist. The podcast that takes Tantrism, Buddhism, Taoism, Sufism, Kabbalism, Shamanism, Chinese... Medicineism <laughs> and all of the other isms we've been influenced by and blends them into a tall crisp cool cocktail your spirit has been longing I want for you to get together. <sighs> now isn't that refreshing i want you to get together
1: So what's your feeling on that one, Daniel? Is that one of the ones that you like? We I don't know if we talked about that too much. We
0: haven't talked about it. No, I, I do like it. I, it's super interesting. You know, it's, it's one of these books that's even within the, uh, a genre of very unique things. It, it,
1: it in itself is unique because he's a unique character. I think I, I did some research on the author, which I'll share when we get to the end of the whole discussion on this. Um, but I guess the reactions were pretty strong. People either loved it or hated it, you know? Because it's so outside of what you kind of expect, I guess. But I think as an author, he was like, well, what the hell? I'm going to write something that people don't expect. But you're more in the love it camp than the hate it camp? Yeah, I think so. Because, I mean, I appreciate
0: things that are different, you know, that are unique.
1: Yeah. No, so for me, this is probably one of my favorites, right? And I think, you know, maybe like the context of talking about, for me, this episode is kind of about this idea of like, is there a new myth being written? kind of secretly underneath the scenes and to what extent is this maybe a part of the idea of rewriting the myth you know okay so i gotta do a little backstory on on the whole thing for people who don't know much about this i mean how would you describe deadpool as a character daniel mm. I mean, you can see it in the movies i think the movies are great i love them do yeah like i think them?
0: the mo- i think the movies are pretty accurate to his character yeah um Deadpool is a, uh, he's a Marvel character. I don't know who his creator was, but he is kind of, um, we've talked about the, the jester, the Joker. Uh, yeah. You know? yeah, mm-hmm. the uh, the, 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 yeah. The trickster that's, that's him in, in, in very, very embodied very well. And that he is, can be a hero. People want him to be a hero because they want to like heroes. So they, you know, so he's sort of a hero, but not really. Um, he is kind of an anti-hero. He's a mercenary, right? Yeah. And that's, earlier in the 90s, when he first came out, he was a mercenary. He was kind of more of a villain, sort of. Uh, and then his sort of unique ability, um, not, I'm not going to talk about his powers or whatever, any of that. Yeah. But like his his unique characteristic is that everything is a joke. He's constantly talking and joking, talking shit and joking in every panel. <laughs> uh, no yep. matter what the seriousness of the situation is, he's constantly making a joke. But then he also what's called uh, he breaks the fourth wall, meaning he addresses the reader, and so he'll say, "Wow, this is really this is pretty deep for a comic book," wouldn't you say? (laughs) You know,
1: (laughs) like all of a sudden out of nowhere, right? He just turns like almost outside the panel of the comic and looks straight out at the reader and says this thing, right? Yes,
0: yes. So he is, uh, you know, I don't know if there's been other ones before him that I can recall, maybe there was, but he is seems to be one of the first conscious comic book characters.
1: That's sort of in a way is aware he's in a comic somehow. That's the, that's the twist of it. Right.
0: Yeah. So that makes him unique because essentially you could say he has aspects of enlightenment, even within his own world, even though he's, but it's juxtaposed with him murdering people constantly, you know,
1: (laughs) and (laughs) he's a very, I guess you would say, uh, you could say wrathful figure or would Bob Thurman like instead. Fierce. He's a very fierce, fierce yeah, figure. He's
0: a fierce character. He's a fierce jokester.
1: In this in this particular like sort of series, he is kind of like the fierce character who's trying to do something crazy. Mm-hmm. that he thinks is for the good. So I guess I'll go through, that's a good description of his character. Yeah. I guess his superpower is regeneration. He can't really die, right? He just constantly regenerates himself. Yeah, he
0: was transfused with some blood from I think Wolverine or someone else. And um, his body is constantly regenerating. So he can regenerate from one drop of blood.
1: Yeah, it's weird because in the movie, I think he's just tortured to and, like kick something in his genes to kick in. And it develops this regeneration quality. Mm-hmm. It also like makes him incredibly kind of makes him more like kind of homely. Actually, that's like the whole point of the first movie. right? Well, he
0: so in the comic books, why he was chosen to have these be, be a candidate for these potential injections is because he has like stage four cancer. Uh, that's right. Yeah, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And so his body is con- so if they take his regeneration ability away, he'll die from the cancer. But because he is able to regenerate, like he never has to deal with that. So he is, his skin is completely disfigured.
1: We're kind of like geeking out on this, but like I, I think the movie handles it really well because they turn it into a love story. He does it because he loves this woman so much. He doesn't want to die and he wants to be able to come back and be with yes. her. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's a nice way to make that little twist on the story, right? Right. And your son loves rom com. So this is right up his alley. Oh, dude. He was, he was in on every point, right? It goes from like ridiculous levels of violence. He's in uh, on some level to, um, to uh, touching moments of rom (laughs) comness So he was satisfied every possible way. (laughs) And it's funny. Yes. Now, in a very like lewd way, some of the jokes are gonna go over an eight-year-old's head, but uh, yeah. Okay, so in Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe, I'll just tell the backstory real quick. Um, So Deadpool is committed to the mental institution by Professor X, the head of the (laughs) X-Men. And spoiler alert, this whole thing is coming out here. So if you want to read it for yourself, you know, Okay, but this is gonna this is gonna happen. So, um, but while he's in the mental institution, it turns out that the person who's supposed to be the psychiatrist treating him is actually a villain in disguise. Some character named Psycho Man that I had never heard of in my life. Are you familiar with that character, Daniel? Did you know not, that? Not not before the comic. Yeah, comic. I had never heard of it. Apparently, the character going back to the 1960s, and he is able to control people's emotions, is the big thing with this that matters. So he has. High-level intelligence and ability to kind of experimentally explore the world, and also specifically control people's emotions. So he has this thing, I guess, called a control box. He's able to project a ray that stimulates the emotion centers of people's brains, and that's his power, right, to mess with people's emotions. And so in the comic, it's shown it's shown that way. It's also shown that he's really probably torturing Deadpool physically. So there's a whole bunch of stuff that that Deadpool is put through. But in the end of this whole process, Deadpool has this kind of epiphany, which then leads him out to go through the rest of the story. And as the reader, you're not exactly led into the beginning like why he's doing this. You know, it's almost like because he lost his mind even more so (laughs) or what's happening. But he goes out and and it lives up to its title, the kills the Marvel Universe part. It just basically, I suppose, part of the the fun, if you want to call it that of the series, and it's a dark humor fun, I suppose, right? Is that he's going to have to wipe out all these super beings over the course of the comic. So it really is like, how does he kill all of these characters off? How does he do it? How do you kill off the Avengers and how do you kill off all the X-Men and whatever? So the whole, a lot of the story is following him through sort of one-on-one taking out these, you know, uber powerful beings. And he does it in a variety of creative ways uh so uh, thor is killed in a way with his own hammer Mm -hmm. spider-man is i think the first character that gets killed and it's you know it's a little it's a little shocking obviously to see spider-man get killed but he's just like all these people have tried to kill you i think i'm just going to do it with a gun and he just shoots him in the head so it's violent (laughs) um i'll talk about this more later on it has a massive parental advisory on the cover parental advisory not for kids red ink exclamation point but uh, I did let my son read it. <laughs> he and I read a little bit. So much for parental advisories. Um, we're gonna do an uh, episode, I suppose, on parenting at some point, and I'll try to make my case <laughs> for this. <laughs> but my idea is, like, I think kids will tell you when something's scary, you know. So in prepping for these episodes, we looked at Deadpool kills the Marvel universe with my son, and he was fine with it. I, we tried to look at Arkham Asylum, but the art was too scary for him, and he was like, "No, I'm out. This is scary." So that's what have been my parenting experience. Kids will draw the line. I'm going to talk about his reaction afterwards, which was pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah. After I tell the whole story. So um, anyways, you know, he's going and killing all these characters, these major Marvel characters. And the motivation kind of comes out in little bits here and there as the story's being told. He complains about Wolverine and he starts saying Wolverine's power isn't regeneration like his power, but popularity is his power. They won't <laughs> let him die. <laughs> He's too popular. So they keep bringing him back and bringing him back. And you're like, what is he talking about? But he's obviously talking to the audience there, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As much as he's talking to Wolverine. And then he has, um, he argues that what he's really trying to end and doing all of this violence against all these characters is he's trying to end continuity. that <laughs> <laughs> so the comics keep going on and on and on. He wants to kill the continuity. And it, uh, you know, it keeps building and building and building in this way. And, uh, but the really, he gets like kind of two major speeches and I got the, I got the, the comic book here in front of me, the little graphic novel thing. And he gets one speech with uh, Professor X, where what he's really saying is, um, uh, he says something like, this is Deadpool speaking. He says, you know how they say your subconscious can work uh, to solve your problems for you without you ever realizing it? Question mark well, my subconscious has been trying to tell me something for years. I just wasn't ready to listen. And he says, it wasn't until like went through this experience, you know, in the mental institution. Now I'm seeing it. So he says, I guess I should thank you for having me committed. And then he says, so what if I break the fourth wall, just like what you were talking about, Danielle. he says, it's the fourth wall that's been breaking me, crushing me, crushing each and every one of us for as long as we've been in existence. So he gets his deep speech about his motivation. And Professor X, of course, if you know the characters, is this extremely powerful mutant with these mind control powers and he can read people's minds. And so the way he defeats Professor X is he just says, okay, read my mind. And Professor X reads his mind and then just like is so shocked by the truth that comes through Deadpool's mind that he almost just falls into a coma. You know, the truth overwhelms him and Deadpool doesn't have to kill him. He just says you've just been like kind of taken out by the truth and he goes on to try to kill more characters <laughs> but it's, it's interesting it's the character he doesn't kill he just leaves him kind of sitting there right so the motivation of the character comes out in these really kind of like little moments where he starts explaining what he's doing because otherwise as a reader you're like why is he killing superman? Uh, superman that's dc spider-man and hulk and you know all these characters right and it, towards the end as he's getting to like the kind of the end of this little quest <laughs> And I use the word quest, like specifically he's, he's again, he's explaining himself. He says all these years, everyone thought I was just a lovable goofball, a homicidal goofball for sure. But a goofball, just the same. uh, Like your trickster, Daniel. Right. Mm -hmm. But like a harmless trickster. He says, I can see through all the bullshit and the word bullshit is there and see how the world see the world, how it really is. All the senseless deaths, all the resurrections only to be killed again. So it's almost like a reincarnation thing happening. Mm -hmm. This freak mutation, the cosmic rays, the chemical disasters, the unrequited loves. Interesting. The secret wars, the secret invasions. Then he says the hero's journey is about pain. And then he says, enjoy the trip. And he's going to end it. Right? So, it's a trippy thing to be in a comic book, obviously. He gets these speeches that are like, they're literary, right? Mm-hmm. In their mm-hmm. scope. And he's dropping this stuff. And you're, you're not even sure yet where any of it is going when you read it. And it finally gets to him. The, the gimmick of the thing is he kills Dr. Strange, which of course is going to break Daniel and I hearts, our, our hearts, It just kills him. But you don't see how, and that's what Daniel was kind of pointing out when we were talking off mic about this. Sometimes you don't even see how he kills the people. You know, the, they don't even bother showing. It's just the Silver Surfers floating in space, all dead. You don't even know what happened. But from Doctor Strange, he gets this spell, which is called the Nexus of All Realities. How's <laughs> that for a trip? And um, there's some things he has to do to kind of make the that make the spell go. But his his motivation, he says this is to stab creation in the heart, mm. and then roast some marshmallows once it's done. <laughs> you know. And then he says, we're all as characters stuck, like we're like tape on a spool that just keeps repeating itself. So he does this spell that is to get to the nexus of all realities to break through. And this is where the big twist of the episode comes in. Because as he's going through his journey, they show it for a couple of panels and kind of a big, a big kind of illustration. He's seeing all of his past lives, all of his past episodes. Are kind of like flitting past him as he's going through, and where he finally finds himself is in the writer's room of the comics. Uh-huh. And where he really is is he realizes that he is his story is not his own, and he's being written by other people, and he's going to get rid of them. And his whole action of like taking out all of these, uh, all of these characters was in a way just to kind of save them from being stuck in this trap of the same thing going over and over again, the tape spool that keeps repeating. And he's going in, and it's really obvious at that point, the writers are all talking, really they're self-congratulating themselves on how genius the story is. So they're writing, and Deadpool goes to the writer's office, you know, and they're all saying how, like, awesome they are. And now they have to, like, bold the word genius just to make it clear to everyone. It's so genius. And Deadpool's outside the door, and he's obviously going to kill them all. And I, like, I looked at an interview with the author of the comic book himself, and he was like, yeah, I, I get killed at that one. <laughs> Deadpool comes in and kills me. But before he does, he does the breaking the fourth wall again. He looks out at the reader, and he senses there's another presence. It sort of says it. Then Deadpool senses another, an otherworldly force watching him, and he turns to the reader, and he says something like, okay, I'm going to get rid of these jokers soon enough, <laughs> I'm going to get rid of this universe and then don't worry i'll find you soon too <laughs> your universe <laughs> scene the whole thing closes mm. so it's kind of a trip you know and again if you have a a kind of a spiritual sense of sensibility you can't read that without going okay what are they saying here <laughs> they're saying something kind of deep because the buddhism and the gnosticism of the whole thing just like oozes out everywhere <laughs> and in a way intended or not whatever his motivation is but i did look up about the author and he does a lot of research into stuff so if he writes something about voodoo he researches voodoo and all of his apparently a ton of his work is like exploring religious and magical themes like he's into it obviously so it's not there by mistake uh my son's reaction was really interesting <laughs> because you know parental advisory be damned you know uh we did this thing together and um and he just said he had the natural reaction that any person would have. He went like, wait, wait a minute. What if we, all, if we are all stuck in our own stories and can't get out? Maybe that's how it is. Maybe we're all stuck in these stories. And it's not as real as it seems. He just started going down that road as an eight-year-old. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's deep, man. And I, like, I was trying to take him to the point of going, it's really important to write your own story. I was trying to G&T him in a way. Mm. Him, you know, to get him prepped for it. But I was like, yeah, he got it. You know, as an eight-year-old, he's like, oh, this, this is a trip. And he liked it. And for yeah. those
0: who've seen the, the, the Matrix, this is a very similar ending.
1: Yeah, it's the Matrix, right?
0: Yeah. You know, being able to uh, go towards the, the creator and have a discussion.
1: Yeah, and, and Gnostic thought that's like, why are we all stuck here in this, in this loony bin? <laughs> right? Like, what's going on? To ask yourself that question. And it's really funny because this, you know, just going back for the kids real quick, my daughter had this weird thing. I can't remember if we talked about it in the podcast ever when she was about the same age as my son, she was like eight or nine. And she came back and she had come up with her theory of life. I remember we were, she came down, you know, uh, into the dining room and she was like, I got an announcement to make. I've cracked life. And we're like, okay, (laughs) what what do you got to say about it? And then she said, in my previous life, I was an Indian waitress. And we went, Okay. Where did that come from? But all right, and then she said, "What it is is we're all stuck in some kind of dream, and the dreamer is she. She did the. She said it's the object who's dreaming, and she kind of did this little squiggly thing with her hands to represent the dreams. (laughs) She said we're all stuck in the dream of the object, and if the dream is good, the dream seems good, and if the dream is bad, then we'll be having a hard time. You know, but we're all kind of stuck in this thing, and I was like, wow, that's really deep." so kids kids get it on some level too right yeah for sure even an eight-year-old will get it right so it's kind of like you know in the end you know Deadpool for the point of view of this comic is kind of like a a a wrathful being trying to end this thing all the characters are, are sort of stuck in this samsara going through all of this drama and chaos and pathos without really being able to see through you know, the fact that they're in this drama that they could, you know, break out of, right? I think that's the bottom line point for the, for, I mean, the bottom line point, certainly for for our episode. (laughs) Yeah. And I think just about the thing overall. Yeah, I would agree. So as we get to like, kind of like, you know, wrapping up our series on this, I did look up, the author is this author named Colin, I think it would be Bunn, it's B-U-N-N, Colin Bunn. And um, he does say about this, I was, I was wondering, what's his motivation behind this? Like, what was he intending? And he says a few really interesting things about this, I think are kind of good for our, our audience, right? He asks, you know, was Deadpool the villain? Was he the villain? And he says, I mean, yeah, he was butchering everyone who stood in his path. <laughs> but then he says, but as far as he was concerned, they were nothing more than fictional, fictional constructs created as the plaything of sadistic gods mm. and in his mind he was doing them a favor so that's like he was obviously very aware the author of that you know this is what he's doing right which I guess I guess shows the depth of him as 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 an author right uh, he does talk about the fact that he is also one of the people who gets wiped out at the end of Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe he does recognize that and then I guess the series continues on making his point, which I haven't seen this one, but there's another one where apparently Deadpool goes not just into killing the Marvel universe, but starts killing all of classic literature, which I haven't read that one, but I probably will now. Have you seen that thing? I, I, I know that it exists, but I haven't, I haven't read it. Yeah, I didn't know until I read these interviews with the author. So he says, I don't know if I can convince someone, anyone of the concept, it is what it is, but Deadpool decides to slaughter the icons of classic literature which means essentially a wrathful action of just clearing away the debris of the culture, Mm -hmm. right. Just to make room for new things to grow. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and he says, you know, uh, uh, even though the concept may sound ridiculous, the series isn't played for belly last. That isn't the point of it. There are, there are funny moments. He says, sure, but this is a dark book. And there's some really, you know, there are really twisted, disturbing, but revelations awaiting. Interesting. Yeah. So last thing, just to give him a prop as, a, as the author, you know, um, there's one last thing I found as I was looking for the interviews with him, and it, it really spoke to, I think, some of our stuff is, is g and This is we one of the first things we would actually ask him. And he wrote this interesting book, so I thought I would share. So here's what he says. He's talking about becoming a writer, which is something that we talk about a lot. How do people find their way to a place that they're kind of expressing who they really are, you know? And so he says, there were days when it was really, really tough. I kind of lost the plot a few times. I forgot the end goal. But I always came back to writing. There were many, many days that I doubted I'd ever make a living as a writer. Hell, there still are. I remember being at a book signing with my frequent collaborator, Brian Hurdle. I guess that's the guy's name, or Brian Hurt. And the, and the revelation that I'd never be able to be a full-time writer slammed into me. I looked at him and I said, there's just no way I'll ever be able to make this work. Um, and then two weeks later, I quit my job and started writing full time. <laughs> and I thought, that's great. That's uh-huh. a Jinn and Tantra story. Uh-huh. Kind of ended. So he says, I guess my advice would be, don't let doubt crush you because there always will be doubt. Very nice, right? So I don't know, Daniel, I got one last little reaction to the whole thing. What do you, what do you think? Marvel kills the Deadpool universe. You got stuff you want to like uh, say before we close out the episode? Um, I mean, it's it's super
0: symbolic, you know, for a dude who's not a Buddhist, you know, to be able to have all of these concepts, not just understood, but understood in such a way that he can express them on numerous levels simultaneously shows a very deep level of understanding. Like not, not just like someone told you a story and now you're like, okay, I got it. Like, no, no, no. You you got this in a way that like you can explain it backwards and then make it into a comic book. You know what I'm saying? That, like, yeah, so
1: that like people who read comic books can be exposed to it, right? Which is, I guess, sure. part of our thing. Spirituality can be everywhere. Who knows where the hell it's going to leap out of a page? Correct. Right. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because there's even even amongst creativity, even amongst creatives, there's different levels of creativity within it, and and what gets manifested through someone's creation varies greatly person to person. Because ultimately, I think. Expression is attempting to uh, uh, synonym for express, but express some sort of universal or at least momentary universal, uh, I don't know, frequency, you know, or universal teaching or understanding that comes through that piece of artwork, that that story, that piece of music, that helps you to emote a certain feeling that maybe you need at that time, or helps you to understand some concept that's going to be beneficial to you. And so for us, you know, talking about this, this is a way in which, you know, for people who are inclined to to talk about samsara, to talk about the bardo, to talk about karma, to all these kinds of things, this is another way for us to relate it on a more mundane level. But for somebody who never has heard any of these things before, this is a way from going to ignorance, to some exposure, and maybe that moves you further down the road to study about it more, if you can relate to this. So the relatability is extremely high. And, and I think for me, true levels of mastery, true levels of mastery are when someone can take extremely high concept um, philosophies or understanding and and break them down for a five-year-old.
1: You know, what's interesting to me about this too, yeah, I get, I agree with you. There's something about like, well, my eight-year-old can get these ideas if you just give them the chance. All you yeah. can do is tell my eight-year-old and he'll get it. Kids, I mean, it's it's kind of funny. Like, okay, my birthday was a couple of weeks ago and we were out and my son was asking me about the many worlds theory of physics mm-hmm. <laughs> that we did an episode on. I was like, okay, here's how it goes. And by the end, he was like, I'm confused. I'm not sure about this point or that point, but it wasn't like he didn't get it. Mm-hmm. He got it. And all the shit he was confused about is all the shit that would confuse me too. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, you know, what also speaks to me in this is, and this is what I hope we can do with this podcast is, you know, one week we're talking about one subject matter. The other week we're talking about another subject matter, but I, one, what, what you hope is that all the time where they're on the surface, it looks like we're talking about comics on the surface it looks like we're talking about whatever the subject matter is of the week the theme underneath it all is always kind of the same you know it's always about this you know how do you find the spiritual truth within that and those spiritual truths tend to be these what we're mm-hmm. talking about in death mm-hmm. kills the marvel universe mm-hmm. of all things so we're, we're, i mean hopefully we're inviting the, the listeners of this to go on that that journey with us that kind of exploration you know the surface may look different one week we might be talking about the terrible treatment of uh, you know women in society historically, and and the suppression of the feminine aspects of divinity. Another week we might be talking about Marvel kills the Deadpool uni- kills the Deadpool universe, or oh, sorry, <laughs> Deadpool kills the Marvel universe. Scratch that, reverse it. Yeah. You know, sometime we might be talking about physics, but the story really underneath is the same the whole time. You know, it's an exploration and, of this. And this
0: was highlighted when we had Lama Glenn on, right? See beyond mundane appearances. Yeah.
1: See beyond optical delusions. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I got like one last piece of this that's really personal, so I thought I would just share it. And sure. I don't know if you have another personal one. I'll do my personal one if you have a personal one, and then we will bid adieu to comics for a while. But um, for me, when I was a kid, I was really obsessed with Don Quixote. I think it came up in our TMI episodes. <laughs> and uh, the Don Quixote I loved wasn't like uh, the Cervantes character from you know the old school novel, you know, hundreds of years ago. But there was sort of like the 1960s version of Don Quixote <laughs> that came through to me in my youth just because it happened to be hanging around my parents' house. And one of the themes that come up comes up in, in the... There's a musical, La Mancha. It's really famous for this song, To Dream the Impossible Dream. And I used to listen to this as a kid. And by a bizarre synchronistic twist of fate, there was a giant mural of Don Quixote also painted where my mom would take me shopping. So I was around this imagery. Who knows what the fuck Carl Jung would say about that, but that's how my life was. <laughs> in any case, this really spoke to me. And, and as a kid, I would listen to this to this recording of this uh, musical. And uh, Peter O'Toole, the old school actor, d- d- delivers this monologue, which is kind of like in the Deadpool kills the Marvel universe thing. It might be why it speaks to me personal. Because one of the themes that comes up in the book is like, I seem like the crazy person, but maybe I'm seeing reality more clear than the rest of the people you know, even though I seem like I'm the crazy one. So Peter O'Toole, I won't try to do it in Peter O'Toole voice, but he delivers this massive monologue. And he says, life as it is, I've lived over 40 years and I've seen life as it is. Pain, misery, cruelty beyond belief. That's what Deadpool is talking about in the book. I've heard all the voices of God's noblest creatures, moans from bundles of filth in the street. I've been a soldier and a slave. I've seen my comrades fall in battle or die more slowly under the lash in Africa. So he's talking about, you know, life at the time of Cervantes and what people were going through. I've held them in my arms at the final moment. They were men who saw life as it is, yet they died despairing. No glory, no brave last words, only their eyes filled with confusion, questioning why. I do not think they were asking why they were dying, but why they had ever lived. When life itself seems lunatic, Deadpool. Who knows where madness lies, perhaps to be too practical is madness, to surrender dreams, this may be madness, to seek treasure where there is only trash, too much sanity may be madness, but the maddest of all to see life as it is and not as it should be. Boom. So to me, I suppose that's like how this stuff speaks to me, that in some ways, there's crazy wisdom, right? Like it seems a little crazy sometimes to question the things that we question in this podcast. You know, we're questioning really deep things, maybe things that are hard to question, you know, and it might even seem a little crazy at times, but maybe the craziest thing is what it says here, or what maybe it comes across in the Deadpool in the Marvel universe, to see life as it is and not as it should be. Like, that's the part that bugs me. And I think that's the reason why we're doing this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah, I mean, and this ties into what, how we started the conversation today, or at least how we talked about it a little bit when referencing Mary Kay. And talking about learning the rules so you can break them or so you can bend them, you know, and, and having a ba- balance of understanding society, but then realizing that there's more to it than just that, you know? And and I really like, you know, I, I, I like that how he says that the regret, you know, the, the confusion is their eyes is not as why am I dying, but why was I alive? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I think those these kinds of pieces, when you're saying this, all I could think of is just like high-rise buildings. And people working and working and working and working and working and working and working just to produce in order to survive. I know um, my partner said something along the lines of like, I hope I don't have to, I I wouldn't want to live forever because I don't want to have to keep producing.
1: Oh, that's an interesting thing to say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just to kind of, you know, keep feeling like you're treadmilling or something like that, right? Yeah,
0: for sure. For sure. Yeah. So it's tough. And, and we're all in it. We're all in it, you know, as much as we try to make time for centering and uh, meditation and, and, you know, trying to reshape the world in ways that is beneficial to us having conversations that shape our minds and our thought processes before, during and after. But still, even in the, even with it, that intention still set, we still grind, you know, yeah. we still grind. So
1: and it's there's tough. A com- there's a compassion side to it because you got to, to make it through to. you got to you got to but like i know this is so weird for me because this speech is like in my my neurons it's burnt into my head mm-hmm. when i was a kid and as i'm looking at it now maybe it's like and maybe this is the you know the point of all this in the end for this episode for us it's like on the one hand where it ends to see life as it is okay you gotta do that you gotta look honest
0: mm-hmm.
1: and we were interviewing all of the people we interview, whether it's Bob Thurman or, you know, Lama Glenn, Glenn H. Mullen, or whoever it is, Mary Kay, Guy Newland, Pete Cadence, you know, we're always saying, look, we got to see life as it is. You can't like not see life as it is. You have to look at it straight. Right. But maybe it's also that you can see how it should be and start working in that direction. Right. Mm -hmm. So maybe in the last life to see life as it is and not as it should be, that sounds like that could be depressing, but maybe it's something even beyond that. Maybe it is see life as it is, okay, but also see it as it should be and start pushing in that direction. Mm-hmm. I think that's what speaks to me with this. Yeah. Yeah. No, agreed. Me too,
0: 100%. Well, Eric, I thought this was uh, very, very interesting. You know, this is a good, a good dive into all of this. You know,
1: yeah, we took it in a lot of places, man. I'm happy. Like, t-
0: great yeah, discussing well, it with you. Uh-huh. Yeah. We, we did. I think we did it. I think we really did it justice. And there's obviously infinitely more. We, Comics yeah. to talk about and more uh, references and analogies. That there's a lot of great comic books that are just you know really beyond not just about one strong person fighting another strong person for supremacy. Yeah, that's true. That's true.
1: I mean, I'm, I'm like it was again. It was really fun talking with you, and I think we gin and tantra the fuck out of this thing. So that's good, man. We did yeah. our thing with it. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah See, thanks for the discussion. Great. Of course. No, thanks. Thanks for
0: bringing it up. I'm glad that uh, you know this is a. It was a good one to choose. It was a really good one to choose. So Eric, as always, thank you very much, my friend. I enjoy doing this. The, the conversation is stimulating for me and, and hopefully for our audience as well. Uh, everybody who's listening, thank you. We uh, we enjoy doing these things and knowing that people are getting benefit from it, You know that, that they'd listen to it and that it has some kind of, positive motivating factor or illuminating factor or whatever it is it's it's uh it, it it gives us that feedback you know and helps us to kind of continue to do what it is that we've been doing now for the last you know year plus uh, and we'll you know continue to do so uh, it would help us out if you would share it with those people who you think would be interested in it and even if you don't think they'd be interested in it share it with them anyways because what do you know you know maybe maybe you don't know everything they like so just give it to them anyways spam your friends on facebook and instagram through text message call your mom call your grandma call your granddad you know whatever grandkids who cares um so we definitely appreciate that uh find us on youtube at the gin and tantra podcast find us on instagram at gin and tantra uh, or email us at gin uh, and tantra at gmail.com for eric this is daniel we'll catch you on the next one peace i want you to get together Together. together one time. I want you to get together. I want you to get together.